Hello and welcome everyone to the Communication Spotlight, a podcast that delivers high quality content for both internal and external communicators. I'm Justin Teach, Director of Virtual Events and your Communication Spotlight host. On today's episode, we look at a discussion from our Writing and Content Creation Conference at PayPal on irresistible social media content that reaches organizational goals. There's no lack of great content on social media and more organizations are producing more content and putting more of a budget behind their work. How can organizations find the audiences they want and persuade them to engage with, click and consume their content? How can social media professionals go from engagement to action in ways that promote business objectives? In this podcast, our esteemed panel of social media professionals addresses some of the biggest challenges in social media content creation and distribution. The panel features Ada Ahmed, the lead social and paid media strategist of Deloitte, Michelle Lockett, the head of social media at Siemens Health Lanier's, Sarah Glasswand, the senior digital and social media specialist of MasterCard Center for Inclusive Growth, and John Frederick, the director of social media at Nickelodeon. Hi, can I, oh, perfect, awesome. Hello, good morning, everyone. My name is Ida Ahmed. I am a lead digital and paid media strategist at Deloitte, where I've been for about five years now. Um, my role has consisted of social media, um, employee advocacy, and now I'm really in the paid media space. Um, and prior to this, I was also the global social media manager at Sheraton Hotels. Hi, I'm Michelle Lockett. I'm the head of social media for Siemens Healthineers. I started my career actually as a trade journalist and then transitioned into social after a few startups. I've worked at Bloomberg, Wiley, and now Siemens Healthineers heading social. Hi, Sarah Glasswand. I work for the um, philanthropic arm of MasterCard. We're called the MasterCard Center for Inclusive Growth. I oversee all of our social media strategy. Um, prior to that, I worked for an addiction treatment center and built their social from the ground up. So my niche is really the intersection between social media and social change. Uh, and hi, John Frederick, uh, the director of social media at Nickelodeon, um, overseeing all of Nickelodeon's brands when it comes to editorial publishing and community engagement, uh, as well as our evergreen strategy. Now I've been there for nine years now. Great, thank you all. So our first question, uh, and uh, let's start with John and go in reverse order. Um, what are some elements of content that performs well organically? Uh, so for us, we, we have a heavy focus on video content, just being a, a video powerhouse. Um, so we, we definitely work on video across all platforms, um, making sure that the video itself is best practices per platform. Um, but at the same time, gamified content works really well with our audience. So uh, consider it like a highlights magazine version of what you would see on social uh, with like spot the difference, uh, find a picture, tell us uh, your blank based on astrology, um, stuff like that we use to boost engagement so that when the boring new show tune-in stuff comes along, we still have an audience in place. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think dynamic content works really well for us. We do videos, we also do GIFs. Sometimes I'll turn a slideshow into an animation so that it has some texture and movement to it. Um, bright colors tend to work for us well because you always want to have something that's gonna stop the thumb from scrolling. Um, and then just making sure your content really like resonates and um, making sure that it's easy to see and view. A lot of people still tend to design graphics in desktop format, but you really have to make sure things are mobile friendly. 
Yeah, so uh, I agree with everything everyone said about video and gifts and movement, but we also have some luck with showing our products in use, right? So we have a unique opportunity with our clinical images um, and showing how that sh showcases our technology and then also just real life stories, taking journalistic photos of how doctors are actually using our systems works really well. Same for us. Uh we have a lot of thought leadership, a lot of research that's uh, really word heavy. So anytime we can animate or illustrate that, it's going to help make that content more, you know, accessible. Um, at the same time, we like to, what really works for us when it comes to either organic or paid is when we ask, uh, we pose a, a question or do a poll, get really the audience feedback. So then they also in turn tell us what they're interested in hearing more about topic areas and then we can produce more content around those areas. Great. Uh, a related question, and anyone can chime in for this. Uh, uh, we don't have to go down the line. Um, what are some elements of content? Oh, sorry. How do you create content that uh, breaks through the clutter? We actually, um, we, we've been talking a lot lately since we're working on 2020 strategy about um, Aristotle's like method of persuasion. So there are three different parts of that. One is logic and appealing to people's heads. So we do that with um, data viz, we do that with our research content. Um, the next step is to appeal to people's hearts. So we do that through human storytelling. And um, then the third part of that is to really make sure that you're credible and trustworthy. And we do that through a collaboration. So we work a lot with partners, we have a whole bunch of data fellows, we have insights communities, so that it's not just us talking, it's us collaborating with other people to produce content. And under all of that for us is really making sure you understand who your audience is. It's not enough to just think about demographics, it's really important to think about identity. So we've developed three different personas and we really cater to what motivates them, what do they need to know, what's going to benefit them, and that's how we work through the clutter to make sure that our content is really resonating with the people that we're targeting. So we, we break through the clutter um, uh, through a topicality. So we have a mini SWAT team um, within the social team itself that's constantly meeting every day to see what is trending or what is interesting to our audience in that moment or over the weekend so that we can create content within five to six hours um, and get it out there as quick as possible. And then we also look at previous trends um, to see like, is there something that pops up in January? Is there something that pops up in February that we might have missed last year or that worked really well for us last year that we can bring back and repeat? Um, and then uh, for us, it's, it's really about claiming heart share. So uh, for instance, I mean, people are extremely fond of their childhoods. Um, and so we tap into that nostalgia a lot. And I, being that it's the internet, nostalgia is a huge currency for breaking through the clutter. What are um, some of your p most important metrics for success on social media? So for us, it depends on what our goal is. So um, on the ad side, it's usually trying to drive traffic to a specific page or piece of content and ensuring that from there they do something else. Um, or we're trying to get content through lead generation forms or other things. When it comes to regular social, organic social, it would be engagements or video views, um, likes, all of that, we still track some of that. 
I would say the same for us when it comes to measurement, really digital and social come together. Um, we are interested because the, the bulk of our content is thought leadership, it's research, it's reports. We want to drive traffic to Deloitte.com. Once they're there, we want to see how long they stay on the page. So really measuring traffic as well as bounce rate and the engagement because at the end of the day, we want them to read and get the content at the same time download it. So maybe that's something that they're going to look at and eventually reach out to us about business. So I think regardless if it's organic or paid, that's what we focus on the most. Great. Um, John, you touched on this a little bit, but um, uh, this is a question for the whole panel. Um, how do you capitalize on current events on social media, and when should you avoid doing so? It's a double-edged sword, uh, because capitalizing on current events can also bite you in the ass. Uh, but we, the, the SWAT team itself that we have is filled, or at least I try to make sure that it's filled with um, some of the youngest employees in the company. Um, because they're the ones that tend to be the most tapped into what uh, the internet is going crazy about at the time. Um, so it's like filled with interns and new employees and we, we work really hard to pull out ideas from them that can then be turned into touch points from Nickelodeon. Uh, so I will nix an idea if it has nothing to do with the brand and it just happens to be like something that's trending. Um, because we, we always want to make sure there's some way to tie it back to the brand, but at the same time, we don't want to come across as too cringy or too hello fellow students. And I think it's definitely important to think about making sure you're adding value when you go onto a trend, because um, if you're not going to add value, you probably shouldn't be a part of the conversation. Um, there are definitely trending topics that you know are going to trend depending on your industry. For us, Financial Inclusion Week we know happens every year. International Women's Day happens every year. When I was at the Addiction Treatment Center, Alcohol Awareness Month happened every year. So you know there are certain hashtags that are going to be trending depending on the time of the year as well. Yeah, I would agree. We usually tend to hop onto those Awareness Days, Awareness Months. We as a regulated industry, it's a lot harder for us to jump onto a topic that might be happening for two days. We have four different business lines and really service every industry. So at any given moment, there's something in tech, um, something in um, human capital, some, really anything that could be trending on LinkedIn or Twitter that we're able to chime in because we do have the you know that wealth of knowledge about these topic areas. So we actually do have something to offer when it makes sense. Uh, we probably we don't really have a lot of opportunity to jump in on the viral moments, but <laughs> we do um, certainly have content to provide and conversation that can be had when it comes comes to topic areas where we already have that built-in eminence when it comes to, you know, whether it be workplace flexibility, Bitcoin, um, the top tech trends and HR trends um, out there. So there's a, definitely a lot of opportunities, but that also takes a lot of work on the social media manager's part to be researching and understanding on a day-to-day, -day, a 24-hour news cycle of what's actually trending and where you fit in and, and where you can put that content. So um, sort of entertainment industry only sort of thing is is we get stuck in that um, there is a moment of SpongeBob for every moment of your life. So uh, it's very easy for us to fall back on like, let's just use SpongeBob to take advantage of this. And we have a wide range of properties. So that, that gets difficult is like, how do we, uh, instead of SpongeBob, insert all that or uh, Henry Danger or, or any of the new shows that we have coming up into this trending topic. Um, so there, there's also that like, if we're going to do this, let's, let's 
make sure that it's not only out of the box, but also doesn't come across as like, we are now the SpongeBob social account on Nickelodeon. That's great. Uh, on a related note, how do you balance uh, managing a content calendar with um, taking these opportunities that, that pop up spontaneously? Uh, we, so we publish anywhere from uh, 40 to 65 pieces of content on Instagram alone per week. Um, yeah, it's, it's wild. Um, it's, uh, our design team loves it. Um, we, so we, um, we keep a slot open on our publishing calendar on um, uh, Instagram and Facebook for just that. So it's a, it's a floating slot where if nothing comes in, we don't use it. If it, like, we just, we post three times that day or once that day. We haven't posted once in a long time. Um, but we, we will post anywhere from three to five times a day on Instagram alone. Uh, and then we are, we're getting into the TikTok game. So on there, TikTok wants you to post as much as possible. So there, there's literally no gap because there's no chronologically no chronological order to that newsfeed. So you could post three times within two minutes, and TikTok would be like, "Wow, this is awesome content." So we deal with it that way. And then with Facebook, I mean, that's a pay-to-play place. So we just put stuff up and see what happens. And I would say for us, uh, when I first started at Deloitte, we I mean, we have 25 in plus, you know, growing accounts uh, under the Deloitte US brand. Um, so we used to kind of have a strategy where there was that that thought process of the content calendar and keeping it fresh. And and now we're taking approach, and it should mention this also, that we work in the green dot agency. So we do have an internal agency structure now. So we work really at a campaign model. So um, we're able to provide our clients, you know, the content through the campaign model for us. Um, and then really focusing on evergreen content. But at the same time, whenever there is a campaign that makes sense for each of those channels based on the industry and the topic area, we kind of fill it in there. So making sure that we always have some content out there, but yeah, not so much the, the content calendar strategy anymore. Great. Um, all right, I, I really like this question. Um, what do you do if you post a video that is not doing well? Delete it, try to re-edit and salvage it, fire the team? So we have a lot of videos that don't work well, be honest. <laughs> um, but um, they're used elsewhere, so we do not take them down. We take it as a learning and as proof points for why we should not use video that's not meant for social on social media, <laughs> being honest. I agree. I think that one of the really nice things about social media is that you can experiment. So you can test different types of video and see what's performing better than others and try to you know, extrapolate why one might perform better than another, try different openings, try, I mean, obviously making sure you have subtitles these days is a given um, and making sure they're above the play line so that they're not <laughs> hidden. Um, but it's definitely something to play with and video you know might not work super well at one point but then a month later a lot of people might start watching it so it's probably not a good idea to delete if you believe in the content um, but definitely keep going and try new things with video great how do you decide we talked a little bit about TikTok. how do you decide when to put effort into a new social platform and conversely to stop using one that isn't performing Uh, so we, we made the decision to go on TikTok 
two-ish years ago, two and a half years ago, um, when it was musically, just because we saw uh, some audience crossover slash the interns were really pushing us to get on there. Um, so when it came to TikTok, though, we did a lot, or musically at the time, we did a lot of research. Um, I, I, I tried to make my team as gun shy a little bit as possible when it comes to new platforms, um, just so that we know, like, okay, if we get on there, are we going to have an always on strategy? Are we doing once a week? Are we doing once a month? Are we just testing it? Um, what is our name going to be? Because most likely Nickelodeon's been taken. Do we have a rep? Um, so we we sort of probe and then we also see like how does the audience use the platform itself so um, for us a lot of our research comes from that from a what is the audience doing b it's it's sort of helpful we our talent is a mini focus group for Nickelodeon itself um, so we have a talent social team that uh, teaches our talent how to use social but at the same time learns from our talent on how they're using social and how we can mimic what they've learned and adapted to. Um, so we do that, we do a ton of research before we get onto a platform. Um, and then from there, we just go wild. So with TikTok, we literally we're cutting clips, but we're also creating like uh, employee content in the office with costumes and random <laughs> office supplies. <laughs> I agree, research is definitely the most important part. It's understanding where your audience is and where they're not. So for us at the center, we're on LinkedIn and we're on Twitter, but we're not on Facebook, which shocks a lot of people. And when I was interviewing for my position, the president asked me, if we got on Facebook today, how many followers would we have in a year? And I said, well, the first question is, should you be on Facebook? Because you, know, you really have to understand and add value where your audience is. So for us, we decided Facebook was not the right opportunity, so we're not on that platform. So you don't have to be everywhere just because you think you do. It's really about being strategic. I was gonna say, there aren't a lot of opportunities for us to get on TikTok or Snapchat, but <laughs> I think you know for the, the largest social networks, you obviously wanna maintain a presence. Uh, for us, and, and really just hone your strategy based on the content that you have that's appropriate for that channel. So for us on Instagram, it's a really big recruitment play for us. Um, there's also a lot we do with events. Um, one really big thing for us that now we've discovered is Instagram stories ads do really well when it comes to really large conferences and events. That's something where we already have that content produced that so we can actually use it on Instagram. Works really well for us. Um, we get really good engagement. Um, maybe not so much on Facebook. Um, so it just, it really just depends. Although we do maintain a presence, we want to identify that content that actually works on those channels and stick to that. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, how do you decide what kind of cadence to employ for social media posting? So this one is a hard one that we struggle with every day on my team, but we do have specific um, goals and what we will do on each channel. So for us, because we don't have a ton of channel, we try to post at least once a day on the major networks, and then obviously Twitter is a lot more. But when we have conferences and things like that, the cadence goes up. Um, and really, it's a matter of how do we represent all parts of our business, not just how much content do we put out and, and what does that look like so that we still look like one whole holistic brand in this one space that we're given. Um, so that that's one of those golden gooses where you're constantly trying to chase that. Um, we When we first started... Uh, we used a company called Prosodic, I believe, that uh, would show us 
They literally show us uh, engagement over time so we could see how long a post was getting its maximum amount of engagement before it started to fall off. And then from there, optimize, okay, if uh, a post gets its most engagement within the first three hours, then we can put up our second post uh, four to five hours later without cannibalizing that first post. Um, so from there, it was also just a game of like, what feels comfortable, what feels right? Like, do we think that Facebook is going to ding us if we post uh, within two hours of a post versus three hours or four hours and just testing that? Um, and now we finally were able to get data scientists to work on that from a social standpoint uh, where we, we are figuring out and working with them and doing A-B testing um, to decide like Facebook versus Instagram versus tweeting, like what, what is the maximum, what is the minimum, what is that secret sauce? But it is tough. Very cool. Uh, we have a question specifically for John. How do you deal with the balancing of nostalgia of old media and current media? Uh, um, so we, I mean, we, we have to post the new stuff. Um, nobody knows it, so it doesn't engage with, or they don't engage with it, but it helps build the brand. Um, we, we keep the old accounts um, ongoing and, and with new-ish or new or repurposed content just to serve as that comfort food for the audience. And we sprinkle in evergreen and 90s and early 2000s content as comfort food so that when there is new content, fans aren't immediately turned off. Uh, but we've, it's definitely been uh, a, a trial and error that is constantly ongoing as to like how do we launch this but also not make people hate it even though they've never seen it and they're comparing it to shows that uh, it is nothing like. So it, it's, a, it's a struggle to maintain that balance. Um, but because of that, like we have the Teen Nick social accounts, the Nick Rewind social accounts, um, and it, it helps that the current president of Nickelodeon is bringing back old shows. So we brought back All That, which is our sketch comedy show. We're bringing back Rugrats. Um, we turned Invader Zim, Rocco's Modern Life, into movies. We're working with Netflix on uh, a live-action avatar. There's, there's a lot that we're doing where we're, we're providing fan service, and then, of course, we're launching new shows, too. Thank you. Do you have any resources that you can provide that we can share with directors who are not familiar with social media strategy? It's a big question, I know. So I, I tend to, especially around this time of the year, I download as many white papers as possible. Um, and just feed them like fake Gmail sometimes. Um, <laughs> Uh, and send that stuff around. Uh, and then also industry papers I send around. So if I see something that's on like uh, Mashable or Wired or anywhere that, that's talking about social uh, in a way that I have been trying to position social to the company and to anyone at a director level or above, um, I will send that around or send it wide or be like, hey, look, this is interesting. Uh, basically like doing a little... Uh, what, like reverse psychology on people like yeah. like <laughs> saying like hey look what i'm trying to push a pu push through the company is something that other people are doing uh, it it helps that like uh the industry like the entertainment industry is is constantly competing with each other to try to be better like be better and and get eyeballs and we have a powerhouse of creators literally in an animation studio in los angeles um but at the same time it's 
it's difficult. Um, it was a lot more difficult. I was when I first started nine years ago. No one at a director level or above knew anything about social media. Uh, our Twitter account was just an RSS feed for the website, um, and there was no engagement whatsoever. So that was that was a struggle. We've come a long way from uh, people having no idea why we should even be on Facebook to now. Um, like the president sending us DMs as to like why we put something up and can we put more things up and it's really awkward when like a president slides into your DMs. <laughs> I, I've also had success looking at our competitive set when you see what your competitors are doing or finding case studies around what they've done. Um, that tends to resonate with senior management when you're saying look this is why we're doing this, this is why we need the resources to, to keep going. One thing we do is we also lean on the, the networks, them, the platforms themselves. Uh, we have, and this obviously depends on how much money you're spending on each of the platforms, but if you're spending a, a good deal amount of money, like we are, like for instance, on LinkedIn, we have a good relationship with them where they're able to actually tell the story to uh, our senior leadership. They provide us with uh, quarterly business reports. Um, again, that it really includes competitor analysis. Also, just the really what the investment is and what we're getting from it. So I think if you if you have those relationships with your um, partners at the networks, they can also kind of guide your senior leaders into really you know what the impact is that your company's making on their channels. I also distill things for senior leadership. So when I'm making my strategy recommendations, I provide proof points from different research things. Um, so for instance, I think we should be doing a lot more video next year, and why is that? I think the statistic was something like, by 2022, 80% of the content that's going to be engaged with online is video. Um, so it's you know creating your strategy, then, but then backing it up and distilling it for them so that it's really easy for them to understand. Yes, distilling is always important. Um, how about, uh, I'll shoot to that question, how about uh, just tools that you like for social media uh, that you've used before in, in any capacity? There are lots of tools for different things. Um, for social media management, I love Sprout Social. Um, we're also at MasterCard using um, Salesforce Social Studio, which has a lot of AI capabilities, which are really nice. Um, graphic design, Canva. I have to do all our graphic design. I am not a graphic designer in the least, um, but it makes it really easy to use. And then Bitly for link tagging, making sure that you're tracking links, seeing what performs well based on the platform. They you know, have an easy box you can check for UTM parameters so that you can actually track things on your website better. Um, so definitely use those. For us, it's Sprinkler. I mean, we're so deeply entrenched in Sprinkler. We've made really big investments, and um, it's a great platform, but one of the newer tools, I think, for us has been social listening. That's been a great tool that we've been able to utilize with them, I think, um, but really across the board. Uh, we use Sprinkler, but then we also have our own in-house analytics that we do to pair with Sprinkler as well that gives us kind of deeper insights into what's happening at the, the page level on our side. Yeah, we're using Spreadfast um, for overall social media management, but we use Bramwatch for our listening. So we're using Spreadfast as well um, with Listen First for analytics um, and uh, Crisp for moderation. So when it comes to, to our brand, there are some very outspoken people uh, who sometimes feel as if we have a time machine and we're crushing their childhood. So they have uh, very strong opinions um, that probably shouldn't be, should, should probably be internalized and not put out there. Uh, so we use a company called Crisp who helps us moderate 
um, our YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, alert us of any negative or uh, outrageous tweets. Great, thank you. What is your review process for social media posts, and do you have any tips for dealing with bureaucracy? I'll take that one. Um, <laughs> so we have a very strict internal review process for social, so it has to go through legal and regulatory as well as brand. Um, I can act as brand on many of our releases, but not always. So um, it takes about a week, if I'm lucky, for any social media post to go through. So how do we handle that? Um, so take, for example, if we go to a lot of trade shows, we do a different release process. And so we have changed um, how we get video done. So we get the scripts actually approved. Then we create the video. And we can have a quicker review process in that sense. Or if we do live video, which we have been able to do, the script is approved. And then it's on regulatory to look at the live video and decide if it needs to be taken down. Thankfully, that's never happened. Um, we do it all in a really odd tool that was already created before I got there. Ideally, it would happen in a tool like Spreadfast and make my life easier, but it doesn't. So um, it takes a long time. But it's really educating the people on the team. Um, and this maybe goes back to the other question, is we really need the regulatory and legal people to understand why we can't use the exact language that was in the FDA release every time on social media and that synonyms exist. Um, and this has been an interesting process for my almost three years there, but we're working through it. The legal team gets it a little bit more. They're, they're, we're a very conservative company, right? We do as much as we can. So I use this analogy with my team where we have to walk on the edge of a cliff and really try not to fall off because if we don't push the organization in that direction, we're never going to be successful in this space. We deal with a lot of the same similar issues. Uh, we've gotten to a place where um, we've worked with legal to basically have a deal, basically. You know, everything that has been approved and that comes from the content, the thought leadership, if it's been approved by legal and risk at that point, when you use it on social, it's, you know, the fruit of that tree is also approved on the, in that sense. But we do have kind of a, a newer process in the past year and a half where nothing goes, you know, we'll schedule content even weeks and, and months in advance, but nothing actually goes out that isn't approved within 24 hours. And that's more so not just about... The, the content itself, but more so if there's something that's gonna be happening in real time in the news that's going to be affected. Like there's so many brands who have scheduled something and they just didn't know what was gonna happen the next day. So that's really more so what that, that rule's about. Thank you. How do you bring employees into social, both as a part of content output and getting them to engage and share? I do a lot of, like every staff meeting, I do a kind of 101 with um, the whole team to just educate them about one aspect or another of social media. Um, when we have big reports or media placements or anything like that, I actually craft a couple tweets and send them around and be like, here are some samples that you can leverage on your own social. Um, we also, um, MasterCard as a whole um, has this platform called SoPros that people can opt into and then they'll get an email whenever something big comes out with like a tweet or a LinkedIn post already in there and all they have to do is press like send, um, which makes it really easy and um, as part of the MasterCard um, social media policy, when you're tweeting you have to do hashtag MasterCard employee as like a visibility transparency thing so it automatically adds that for people so it makes it really easy for them. So we have a, 
We have a full employee advocacy program using LinkedIn Elevate where we feed content to our employees that they can post. Um, part of this is because if they want to post something dealing with products, it has to obviously go through a full approval process, but also so that it makes them feel comfortable with the space of using it and how to use it and, and what sort of language works and doesn't. It still gives them the ability to edit. Obviously, before they post, it's their accounts, um, but nine times out of ten, they don't. They take the content that we have and they they push it out. So. I'm really proud of our employee advocacy program, similar to that. Um, in the global instance, we use LinkedIn Elevate, but we, um, in the US, use Dynamic Signal. I don't know if anyone's heard of that. Yeah, so we have, I'm really proud because I've also spent two years of my time at Deloitte helping grow that program, and we have more than 10,000 active monthly employees, um, which is roughly 10% of our workforce, so that's really big for us. Employees are very excited about it. Um, it is a way for them. The, the number one thing that people ask is, what am I allowed to share? Like, they want to share, but they don't know. And through that program, they know that that's something that's going to be sent to their mailbox, and that it's really easy. A lot of them use it on mobile and click to send um, and share. So they also help us. Our employees actually help us a lot because what's trending with them also kind of lets us know what's going to be trending on social as well. And then, as I think a lot of us know, the engagement that uh, happens when it's person to person on social is more impactful than a brand to a person. So anytime we can get our employees to, to talk about us, to talk about the work that they're doing specifically, make those business connections, it's, it's really great for us. So our SOPROS is through Dynamic Signal as well. Um, we've actually gamified it too, so that um, we have electronic billboards like all throughout the office. And every month we recognize the person who gets the most engagement out of their post. Their picture gets put up there, so everyone in the company sees it. So we've gamified it a little bit in that way, which really I think encourages people to be more vocal and socially active. So I'm not gonna lie, this is something that we've been working on. Um, so this was all fascinating. <laughs> Uh, we we are pushing out so much content daily, and we have so many new shows and new episodes launching that um, it's it's tough for us to get uh, all of that content, also to house all of that content in a place where employees can access it easily. Um, so a lot of the time, it's it's me or my team being like, yeah, just share that to your Instagram story, and like here's the press release, put it on Facebook. Uh, but it would definitely be helpful to have something like Dynamic Signal um, to send out to all employees. Right now, our big um, advocacy, advocacy stuff comes through sending talent packets uh, over to our actors and to our production staff and our animators and writers and all that. Um, and with those, we literally will send them Dropbox links and be like, here is uh, a bunch of art and video and here's some guidelines as to how you can position it and get it out there, and, and if you do, we'll interact with you from the brand account. Um, and then we recently started using Greenfly, which I don't know if anyone knows of. Um, Greenfly is super easy, it makes it super easy. It's an app that you can literally push notifications out to people with spe uh, specific uh, asset packets, and from Greenfly, they can uh, tweet, Instagram, Facebook post, any of those assets. It's actually super helpful. How big are your teams and what are the roles? Well, my team has been recently restructured. Uh, I've now, I'm now officially on the paid media team and paid media for the US is a team of two. Um, and then our social team is really closer to, um, we have a social strategy team and then now we have like a, a social folks who are in the studio now who are helping with publishing and community management. So overall I would say it's about 
10 or so people when it comes to organic social? So my team is, there's five of us, um, and we're split between the U.S. and Germany, and we do global social for the whole company. I'm part of the strategic engagement team at the center. Um, I'm the only one who actually focuses on social media. Uh, I do have a counterpart in B2B marketing that helps me execute on the paid. I help with the strategy and the targeting, but she executes it. Um, but yeah, party of one. <laughs> uh, so my team itself is four people, including me. Uh, we are, we're restructuring a little bit. Um, so I'm gonna expand to six people, but uh, we're restructuring to have three verticals uh, one that will be editorial and community management, which will fall under me. Uh, another one that will be social strategy, um, so the launching and sustaining of shows and uh, big events. And then the last one will be audience development, which is the social stats and building our audience and figuring out who our audience is per show, per property, um, all of that stuff. So we're in the process, a tectonic process of reformatting. Great. Well, thank you all. Uh, let's hear it for our panel one more time. Thank you for listening to our latest episode of the Communication Spotlight, a podcast that delivers high-quality content for both internal and external communicators. If you like this session and want to get more content like it, please visit reagantraining.com for full membership details. For one low price, you get access to over 600 hours of content, ranging from the best presentations from our live conferences to virtual events. If you are interested in membership, please visit reagantraining.com forward slash virtual and you can save $300.